Hello and welcome to season two, episode seven of the Lower Podcast. I'm David Smith and I'm joined today by Marty Mr. Twick Gillespie, Hodge Snozcumber Gaffney, or an Oompa Loompa Fitzpatrick, and fantastic Mr. Franny Walsh. If you hadn't guessed already, today's episode is going to be covering all things Rodal. The lads and I are going to be discussing our favourite books from the Rodal collection. Uh, this episode is also coming to you from three continents. So we've got Podges in Colombia, myself and Oren are in Australia, and Marty and Franny are in Ireland. We'll also be announcing the winner of our social media competition for the collection of Rodal books uh, later in the episode, so bear with us for that. But before all that, we'll check in with the lads. Hodge, you're sitting there, you look like you've got the jungle behind you in Colombia and you're sporting a majestic moustache. I think Franny is feeling the competition now. It's usually <laughs> Franny with the, the facial hair every week. Uh, well, lads, yeah, all good. First time in three months I've been on the pod, so uh, excuse any any nerves. Uh, all going well. Been kind of on the road now for almost three months, which is crazy. Really flying by. Done Mexico uh, for a month, Guatemala for just under a month, and now we're uh, getting through Colombia. So I think we've got our two weeks in Colombia. Really, really enjoying it. Definitely the best country so far. Coming across like these little little places we never heard of just from talking to other travelers and stuff. And we kind of find the, the quieter, kind of greener areas are much more enjoyable, quieter and stuff. The cities are grand, but can be a bit annoying as well. Another few months to go, hopefully getting into Ecuador, Peru and so on, see how we get on. But yeah, no, good to be back. Good to see you, lads. Yeah, life is good at me. Uh, quiet enough now, just kind of weathering storm units over the last couple of days, so staying mainly indoors. Going up to Dublin now for the day tomorrow, Sunday. I'm scheduled to go to Lisbon for a month at the end of this month now. Just have the Airbnb book and the flight book there during the week. So going to be working from there for a month and then going to get an interrail pass and go back up through Europe then for a couple of weeks thereafter. So going to hit uh, Madrid, Barcelona again for a couple of days. And then I'm not sure after that, a couple of other locations maybe. Yeah, so I have that to look forward to anyway, but not doing too much at the moment other than reading Roald Dahl books. Lisbon's a great city. Yeah, I've never been to Portugal at all, but I kind of see a lot of people kind of over COVID and stuff or kind of who were remote working kind of went there. Apparently it's very cheap and a bit of crack to be had out there. So yeah, looking forward to that now. Oren, what about you? What are you up to for the weekend? I think I was actually working yesterday. I was at a, an extremely boring conference. So I, yeah, I've just got a one day weekend and then straight back to work tomorrow. To be honest, January, February has been more about just getting the head back down, getting back into work and being quiet. Mum and dad are actually coming out now on 5th of March they land so it's kind of just getting prepped for that and getting ready so super excited for that and it'll be deadly. First visitors what is it post-Covid so yeah should be great out crack. Yeah, I'm also very excited for that. Be... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for cargo too. Yeah exactly. <laughs> what about you Marty? Uh, much for the weekend? Uh, not a whole lot now. Um, was out last night had a few pints. It's great for the pints to be back now and all that but I paid a quite a high price for it today. Not feeling fantastic. I'm feeling very fresh. The, the storm units has kind of put pay to any plans that I could potentially have had, but didn't plan on planning. So, yeah. You've midterm now, Marty, don't you? Yes, I do. I do. And I was excited about it, but in the gloom uh, of my hangover, I've forgotten anything positive at all in my life. So, 
Yes, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Will you go to Donegal? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go home maybe Monday or Tuesday or something. We'll see. Like get a few days at home. There's no point heading up the road in the middle of a storm, especially Donegal in the storm. Like it's not exactly going to be a little a little gust. The wine, Karen, the hangover. That's the main question. You have a big goblet well, of wine. In there. It's cheering me up a little bit, all right? Yeah. And more than what you are doing for me. We're giving you a hangover. It's a, <laughs> yeah, similar here. I mean, a good weekend of sports. So I was up at 2 a.m. to watch Liverpool last night, and then I'm going at, straight after we record this. It'll be about 9 a.m. by the time we finish Sydney time. So going to the pub with one of the lads to watch the Amir Khan Kelbrook boxing fights. Looking forward to that. There might be a morning pint involved. Morning pints are the best pints. A dangerous, but because I meant to go for a run, I meet another lad to go for a run after, so that could be uh, out the window, I'd say. After pints, yeah, I went for a pint run on Friday night, it was all right. <laughs> That's true, three pints, isn't it? <laughs> three pints, and off I went. I've decided to do this thing in Feb where I am um, running every day now, not big distances at all, but just to get out and do something. So, I got in from work at like seven o'clock Friday, and it was dinner in like a pub and have a beer. Three pints later, it's like, fuck, I still haven't done this run. Dropped Smith home, still had probably one or two ahead of me. And uh, I was like, right, fuck it, I'm doing this. It was about 10 o'clock and I was trying to run up and down the beach and there was all sorts of shit going on up and down the beach at that time of night. And the amount of abuse you cop, like just running and just people being locked and <laughs> shouting at you and roaring yeah, as you're going by. And sure, I could barely see straight. Starting to sweat, the heart rate went through the roof. <laughs> Got a fun though. So I'd recommend to try it once and never again. Yeah, I was very impressed to be fair because I think I had four points in year three and sure, we walked home together and I was straight into, I think I played a game of FIFA and went to bed and then I couldn't believe when you, the next morning you text me saying you went for your run. Where there's a will, there's a way. It was the witching hour when the boogeyman comes out. All right, lads, I think we'll move on to all things Rodell. So I think just to start off, we'll go around. I know I had this collection on it. There's some of you are probably the same. Marty, you might start with you. Had you read many of these Rodell books or did you have a favourite or were you like a big Rodell fan as a child? Yeah, like similar to all of you, like I had the collection as well and I absolutely adored them, you know, and kind of like they're they're kind of really well graded. Like, you know, you could start off with something nice and simple like SEO Trot and work your way up to the boy or Danny and Champ, Champion of the World. Like the Twits, a class. Well, they're all classics, but the Twits is my personal favorite. Shortly followed by SEO Trot when it was revealed that SEO Trot was tortoise spelled backwards. That was the first like... First time I read a book where I was like, oh my God. (laughs) So that really, really kicked off my kind of love for Roald Dahl. But like the imagination, it sparked off like the silly made up words, like that, you know, kind of made made sense in your little child child head. Like, you know, they're just a great way to spend, spend an even as a kid, whatever age you were. Yeah, I was the same as Marty. I actually think one of my first memories of books would be a man reading Ezio Trot with me. And the same thing, like, mind absolutely blown by the fact that Ezio Trot is tortoise backwards. Like, it's hilarious that yeah, they're the things that you can remember from books. And yeah, as you go through them, like, they're just great pieces of literature. And I have to say, I enjoyed having a little dabble in them again as an adult. It's a bit like watching any of those Disney films today as an adult. There's always something in there for the adult that, you know, reading with the child or, or watching with the child, whatever it might be. I suppose with Marty and I as teachers, you'd be reading these books, you know, you'd read them to your class, you know, at the end of the day or whatever. Not just Roald Dahl, but also like you know, David Williams, these kind of books. And they're very enjoyable and they're just very funny. 
I loved him as well as a kid. I, like when I was really young, like my first memories of reading would have been Roald Dahl and Enid Blyton. And they would have been the two authors I always would have read. Like I would have read all their books probably 10 times when I was really young. But like I always, I remember thinking even when I was really young that like there was something really kind of gritty about Roald Dahl, even in a kind of a, a child suitable way. He wasn't afraid to kind of get his hand dirty a bit and kind of be a little bit, you know, he he had characters that were like bad people and he had plot twists. You kind of expected a happy ending and you didn't get the happy ending you were expecting. And like, it was kind of, that was what kind of set him apart from like Anna Blyton and other kind of kids authors for me. It was that it wasn't this kind of sanitized fiction where everything was kind of rosy and happy and it was nothing really bad. Like it was kind of a, a bit dark at times and stuff. And, like, I really loved that as, like, a, you know, a fucking nihilistic eight-year-old or whatever. Like, you know, I kind of liked it. There was a bit of badness to it. I know in some of the books, like, specifically the one, like, that I would have really liked was Danny the Champion of the World. And, like, you know, there's kind of a false ending in that where, like, you think everything's kind of gone to shit, but then there's a kind of a happy ending then after it. But you're not getting the big happy ending that you thought you were getting. And, like, I thought there was something really kind of, really kind of special about that. I don't know, I suppose the characters as well and the way he wrote, particularly like antagonists, the bad characters or the, the evil people in the book, they were always just so well drawn, I thought, and so descriptive and you could really kind of imagine them. They're so onomatopoeic and stuff and they're so child-friendly, all this like silly terms like snow's cumbers and all this stuff and like the BFG, it really engages your imagination when you're a child, like the outrageousness of it all. But then they're also quite scary and terrifying in places, you said, Podge, like deal with some gritty adult kind of topics the witches is particularly scary and the bfg at times as well as much as it's quite a heartwarming story like i used to remember i've never been like a great sleeper and then when i was a child when i was like waking during the night i'd be worried about the witch an hour i don't know that i don't know if the bfg be hanging around that boy now in need but i used to be worried like if i didn't get back asleep that i could be kidnapped or something like that so definitely had a big impact as a child and then i don't know if you could find the same but like as an adult you see so many references to him and his work randomly only a week or two ago came across like an interview with ben howard the singer about like his newest album and he actually aimed for a couple of the songs to make them like rodal type stories obviously so impactful i guess all the movies as well as, as well as the books have made it a real part of our psyche i found from the VFG alone you're straight into the storyline you know what I mean you're just launched into this world straight away with the VFG and Sophie in the orphanage next thing dead quiet and as you said Smith the Witch an hour VFG arrives and you're only on like page two or three so can you imagine as a child you're completely immersed from the start and even as an adult reading it because you know really some books take a while to get going like you know there's a lot of filler and they're trying to reach that 400 page count or whatever sometimes just to kind of get your novel I just really, it was really refreshing to just be like, right, you're straight into it. The child protagonist, you can relate to the child basically straight away. And that could be you, you know, saving the day and meeting the BFG. And your imagination is just let run run wild, which I think is the most, is the magic basically that Roald Dahl brings. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the chocolate room. We also actually asked all our listeners for your favourite Rodal books. Podge, our social media guru, can you take us through the results? Yeah, so we had a, a bracket on Instagram to see which is the most popular Rodal book amongst our listeners and followers. Chose 16 books, which is actually the 16, there are 16 books from the collection that were given away. First round was, there was no real surprises there, I don't think. Uh, maybe you'll have to think differently. Uh, we had James Giant Peach, Matilda. That's Mr. Fox, Danny Champion of the World, Twit, uh, Witches, Charlie Chalk Factory, BFG. They all kind of came through 
yeah, like 80, 90% votes. As you must mention, we were getting, you know, close to 100 votes on each of these. It was very popular. Um, got a few comments back on the Instagram as well. So people weren't too happy with some of their, some of their favorites. But anyway, such is life. In the second round, things got a bit more interesting. And two of the matchups that I think we should maybe just quickly discuss were Charlie and Chuck Factory and the BFG. That was 54% to 46% in favor of Charlie and Chuck Factory. Wasn't too happy about that. BFG got my vote. Definitely one of my favorites, if not my favorite. What do you think there, lad? Would that be a fair reflection? I don't know. I think you can argue that either way. I wonder if people influenced by the movies as well. But they're, yeah, they're yeah. I think the fact that there were numerous film adaptations of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory probably didn't hurt. Yeah, I think so. Okay. That BFG I, I, movie is shite. <laughs> Maybe that's what did it. I'd argue that the Johnny Depp, Charlie and Chocolate Factory actually did, should have cost a few votes, but anyway, maybe not. Uh, yeah. The original, though, is a classic, to be fair. The other one, closer one, it one vote in the difference between the Twits and the Witches was 51% to 49% there. A lot of people upset about that one because obviously the Witches is obviously incredible. I know, Smith, you're a huge fan. I, yeah, I was disgusted with that. The Witches is my favourite Rodell story I was growing up, so... To be fair, the twist was very good as well. So that was me battling off against Marty. They were their two favorite books. So yeah, I was only delighted now. Delighted. I want to find especially especially, especially after losing after losing the J Maritash of Kinky yeah, Willis yeah. earlier on. I was delighted to get that one over on you. Win. Whoever had that winning vote for the twist, though. So, yeah. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> and then amongst that, then um, so oh. Matilda, Matilda fairly. Uh, hammer James Giant Peach was a little bit upset and I gave James my vote I love that book really really liked it and the film as well so uh, Fantastic Mr Fox beat Danny Champion of the World I don't know Franny were you happy with that one? Uh, yeah well I suppose it's to be expected really like I know it's not one of the more generally well known ones like it was always it was my favourite one growing up but like sure, yeah, I suppose like popular yeah. opinion being what it is you can't you have to you have to accept these things you know I was I was a big fan of Fantastic Mr. Fox, and it was only uh, I kind of read a few synopses before this, and I forgot how good Danny Champion of the World was like. And I was, in hindsight, that was one of my favorites as well. I forgot about the raisins and the sleeping pills and all that kind of thing. It's such a good book. That's a brilliant book. Yeah. I think um, what I love about those two books is that the kind of the protagonists aren't necessarily good characters. Well, you know, they're one's a poacher, and well, I guess they're both poachers being a fox and um, one's hunting. Like, it's nice that they're kind of on the other side, it's not straightforward. I thought Danny the Champion of the World as well was like one of those ones where like the child character really got so much agency. Like, you know, when like his father is in trouble and stuff, he's caught in the woods with his, with his leg in a trap, and then he's like seven or eight years old, and he's going, <laughs> he takes the father's Morris Minor and goes drive through the woods to go and find him. Like, you know, as a kid reading that, you know, that's, that's class, like to see that, and you're kind of thinking, like. Jesus, that's so mad that he did that and stuff. But yeah, no, it was it was great. Yeah, so after that round and into the semi-finals, it kind of become it was very clear from very early on. I remember following the the voting from from early on. It was fairly clear that Matilda and Charlie were going to get to the final. Matilda hammered Mr. Fox, unfortunately, about seventy something percent, I think, in favor of Matilda. Charlie Chalk Factory and Twits was closer, but still quite comprehensive. I think it was sixty odd percent to to Charlie, so maybe it was the yeah, maybe the films were pushing that boat a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna call. I'm, I'm gonna play the film. I'm gonna play the film card in that. Now I I, I was a yeah. a much bigger fan yeah. of the twits, so I was 
Like it's just so it's so simple and so funny and like oh I just love it and from the very first page. I actually I actually read it there before like the last week and like on the opening page the very it's, it's actually it might be the first line. What a lot of hairy faced men there are around nowadays. <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, it is true. It is. <laughs> it goes on. When a man when a man grows hair all over his face, it is impossible to tell what he really looks like. Perhaps that's why he does it. <laughs> He'd rather you didn't know. <laughs> I, I feel seen. Uh, he, Roald Aldo actually did hate beers. Like, like that's a, one of his actual pet peeves. Like he thought beers are ridiculous looking. Obviously, he's going in on Mr. Twit very heavily. <laughs> you know, Mr. Twit felt that his hairiness made him look terrifically wise and grand. I think we all know a few boys who think they look terrifically wise and grand with their beard. But in sure. truth, he was neither of these things. Mr. Twit was a twit. <laughs> Not that Donny Gall, that book, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, just on that point on the, on the beards, actually, um, I don't know, just, I've been thinking a lot about our, our English teacher, sadly passed away this week, Mr. Mallon. Um, I'm thinking a lot about him actually this week. He was he was one of my favourites and he actually went on a spiel about beards before. Similar enough, he's just like, yeah, yeah. People, I'm most suspicious of people with beards, he said one day, like, you know, just what are they, what are they hiding, you know? A, a great man for the tangents, wasn't he? <laughs> ah, brilliant. He taught all of us, didn't he? Did he teach the three of us? Yeah. yeah, he wrote me a really nice, like, touching letter for my master's application for journalism. So they were like advised to get like a reference from a teacher, and like it had been five years since I'd had him or whatever. But like, he wrote such a well written, like, well thought out thing about me, and I was like, that's what a teacher he was. Yeah, it's sad news, unfortunately. I used to meet him every every Friday actually when I was teaching in Avon in Ryan's for lunch. Him and Mr. Ballaby chewing the fat and used to go over and have the chats with them two of my favorite teachers the two of them used to treat you as just adults you know and respect like pure respect and then outside of school even more so so yeah rest in peace mr mellon so moving on from it'd be it'd be impossible to move on from the tweets without mentioning that probably rolled out most famous quote or most quotable quote you know about the the people having ugly thoughts you know that one it's like if a person has ugly thoughts begins to show on the face and when that person has ugly thoughts every day every week every year the face gets uglier and uglier until it gets so ugly you can hardly bear to look at it and then it goes on to talk about people have good thoughts but I remember reading that as a kid it started to make sense to me and then on the next page I had a Quentin Blake had had an illustration of like this jolly old woman who obviously wasn't aesthetically you know meant to be beautiful or anything but she just looked happy and you're like yeah she looks good i'm gonna have pretty thoughts too i'm gonna have good thoughts so then the final i don't know maybe people could have predicted it matilda and charlie and chocolate factory i i was actually hoping it would be it would be closer but matilda did storm to the wind and then i asked i asked the people on instagram was that a fair result and yeah people are like absolutely i think i think matilda inspired a lot of people for reading or something i think those are character that people really enjoyed and i think that's like it's a nostalgic thing maybe like oh yeah there's a little girl who loves books i was a little girl who loved books that kind of way so definitely a good book i know there's definitely a, there's a, there's a movie angle there as well great movie to be fair yeah i think probably two of fair. the most popular ones so yeah it wasn't that surprising maybe what do you think yeah 
I thought now I've a bit of an affinity for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory because I played Charlie in our sixth class play in primary school in our touring play. So and Colum Keneally, who's all know, played the granddad Joe. So that was good fun. But I think Matilda has a lot of memorable characters and moments and stuff. Like you often hear like Miss Honey and Miss Trunchbull mentioned in popular culture or Bruce Bogtrotter who eats the cake. Uh, like there's a lot of there are a lot of iconic moments and I think. Well, same with Charlie, I guess. They're both entrenched in popular culture, so. I think, though, with Matilda, you could imagine yourself as Matilda. Like, no matter how you'd sit on, you'd be in school or at home doing your homework, and you'd see the pencil on the desk, and you'd stare at it and hope that you could levitate it, like, you know, and you'd throw your eyebrows around, like, <laughs> get the milk into the cereal, you know. I would have thought in terms of, like, cultural significance that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory would definitely be the biggest one. I would say for like people that maybe aren't math fans or all that, I would have thought that would be the most recognisable. Like probably because of the films, I suppose maybe, but just because I think it's such a such a memorable book in terms of all the stuff that happens, like the Oompa Loompas and people getting sucked down through tubes of molded, melted chocolate and like all the kind of the mad stuff that happens in it. You know, I think it's just such a recognisable book and like a recognisable story and stuff. And then there's the whole the film aspect. Of it. So I was kind of surprised to see that that got bet for a finish. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like Charlie is so famous, but the the sequel, the have you all read that? The Glass Mirror that didn't do too well in the pole bodge, did it? No, it got turned. The Glass Elevator. Yeah, the Glass Elevator got. I think the witch yeah. train. No, Matilda. Matilda had that one. Matilda, so, yeah, yeah. um, I wasn't actually. Hold on, maybe it was the witches. Actually, you're right. Sorry, I think it was the witches. Yeah, that's unfortunate. It was. Yeah, I think it was eighty twenty or something. I never read it. Probably read more reflection on. The Witches rather than the Great Glass Elevator. Like that book think, was yeah, so good so. that it was always going to win. Yeah. I remember the Glass Elevator being a great book. Like again, it was that kind of fantastical idea. You just thought, how good would that be to be in like and all the different buttons and going side to side and all that sort of thing. It was yeah. real kind of outlandish that book, wasn't it? It was all kind of like they went to space and there was loads of like mad creatures and sort of stuff. Yeah. And like you know, of all his books, like of, of the I remember reading, it was the most kind of like. uh psychedelic nearly like it was just kind of real like real fantastical and really yeah that kind of way so we know that our listeners favorite book uh, was overwhelmingly matilda but i suppose marty you've touched on already yours was the twits you gave us some good quotes there and some good passages franny i think you said danny champion the world is your favorite book yeah that was my favorite just because like I, there was such a like i i found it was so like realistic in a way because it was kind of it didn't have the big happy ending that you kind of come to associate with children's books like they're so basically what the, the premise is like they're himself and his father are these kind of poor enough like people living on the outskirts of town his father's a mechanic and he's fixing a car for this old bollocks who's like really rich and has a lot of land in the town and basically his father it, it comes to life as a poacher and they deduce this plan where they're going to go onto your man's land and poach a load of pheasants using using like raisins with like uh, tranquilizer in them and so they basically nearly put it off and they like tranquilize a load of pheasants and then I think for a finish like most of the pheasants get away and you think it's all after going to shit and he's after getting trouble with the rich lad and whatever else but then then at the end then at the very end there's like six pheasants left over and it ends up kind of in a success and I remember when I was reading that when I was younger I really it really kind of struck a chord with me being like it wasn't like other stories where you get the big dramatic happy ending where everything works out and everything's grand it was really kind of, it was a lot more realistic than I ever remembered reading as a kid. Like, and I, was, I, I remember being really struck by that and really thinking it was cool and stuff. And also it was kind of, I remember the scene I mentioned earlier about the, 
where the where the kid is driving the, the Morris Minor or whatever it is. It's like he's like seven years old and he's going off to rescue his father after he gets after he gets stuck in a bear trap while he's poaching pheasants. And I remember thinking, like, I don't know, it's just such a when you're reading it as a child and when there's this child character doing this thing that's so like difficult and impressive, like you know, it's really striking. Yeah, it wasn't I suppose it's not one of his better known books, and like I kind of wasn't surprised to see it get hockeyed in the pole, but like yeah, I, I I always really liked it. Like I thought it was a great book. That's funny, yeah, because I actually wouldn't remember it. Like I remember the title and stuff, and even the cover, but like the ins and outs of the plot. But now hearing you talk about it, I'm like, just I want to go back and read that one now again. That was great. Hodge, you're at the BFG. I think you have a special place for that. You love that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, funny enough, my brother Mark also um, chose that one on the giveaway. I just saw it the other day, so I don't know. Maybe it's links. Yeah, no. Also, really enjoyed it. Just thought it was just full of full of humor, but also. Just little kind of sprinklings of, of hard truths there. I mean, like he's talking about like humans are the only animal that kill their own kind. And like it's Sophie's kind of listening to this going like, you know, it's 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 making her realize some stuff. And I think, I think she asked about the giants, like, why don't can the, what the giants eat you to the BFG? And he's like, no, no, no. Humans are the only kind that do that. And it's like, it's really like, oh, that's that's heavy. Like, you know, and talking about like wars and and that kind of and violence and stuff in the real world and it's not uh elaborated on or at all but it's just kind of as an adult you're picking you're picking this stuff up like thought, thought it was really really nice i actually learned after maybe this is common knowledge but he actually dedicated it his own seven-year-old girl olivia she died of measles when she was seven and he dedicated the bfg to her and sophie's also seven years old in the books so i thought that was kind of sweet um it was also uh Steven Spielberg's favorite book. Uh, he often read it to his children. He said it celebrates the fact that it's, uh, he celebrates that it's okay to be different and to have an active imagination. That was a nice little tidbit to, to find as well. Um, when we were doing this episode, like you could have picked so many, but the first one that came to mind was the BFG. Um, and even rereading it was a nice experience. Kind of brought me back to my childhood a little bit, which was, which was cool. But yeah, like, look, as I said, you could have picked a handful of other ones. Um, but yeah, that one for me anyway. Did you dress up as the BFG for World Teacher Day or something? <laughs> or, or World Book Actually Day? Actually did. Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. So a few years ago in, in, in Ant, we were, uh, yeah, that's started off World Book Day, teachers dressing up. And um, But I had like an, an old an old uh, waistcoat in my wardrobe and a white shirt and I made made the ears and everything, yeah. I'd say it's good for something other than Big Friendly Giant or the BFG when you showed up like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big Fooly Gaffney. Big Fooly Gaffney, yeah. <laughs> yeah, BFG as well, like the other books we talked about, like it is very heartwarming stuff, but like it's scary at the start where he comes and he kind of plucks her out of the orphanage. And then I remember as a child being quite scared by when the giants come to visit his cave or house thing and Sophie, is she hiding behind the jars and stuff? Like that is pretty heavy traffic yeah. for a child. Not, like it's a terrifying concept. Yeah, I think that's after the witches is probably my favorite book the bfg what was the scene in bfg is it that they're burping or farting or what are they doing where they, they they drink something isn't it as a burping and yeah like... so they don't drink water they drink this uh i should have took it then i don't know the name but they drink this other uh fizzy drink that the bubbles yeah. go down instead of up. that was it yeah yeah it was just it was coming back to me there i couldn't quite remember yeah, yeah. I feel like a guinness yeah and, uh, they, they drink it they let it be fart. and that, that's also something as well like as in when you're a seven-year-old, like you're, you are kind of toned the line, and you're you're told like, okay, that's rude, that's you know, and then all of a sudden you open this book, and they're talking about farts, and you're like, oh, this is amazing. Like it's almost like 
it's almost like taboo for a child the stuff yeah. he talks about yeah, and yeah. I've got, like, as a child you're absolutely loving it and like there's a scene when the BFG lets out a massive fart because he thinks the Queen is like saying you're allowed like the Queen thinks he wants to make some music and he's like yeah please like you know like work away and he's like oh I got permission he lets out this massive fart and the Queen smiles and that kind of stuff normalise farts that's the message from this yeah <laughs> Oren what about Fantastic Mr Fox do you want to Tell us why you love that so much. As Podge said there, you've got to take in any book, and I really mean that. I, I think this was one of the more simplistic ones, and I just kind of felt like I went right back the way. Um, you could probably read this to younger kids. Very straightforward, kind of those three, I don't know what you call them, evil farmers, Bogus, Bunce, and Bean. And I just always loved the description of them, and it's kind of Bogus is outrageously fat, and Bean is outrageously short, and think of it of him who's got the boil on his nose or something and then there's Bean is super skinny and is very intelligent and just constantly drinks cider and like just it's more the description of the farmers I thought was great they're all after this sly fox who keeps robbing their I think Bogus is chickens Bunce is the geese and ducks or something I'm trying to remember Bean now I can't but uh, yeah they go they get so um, fixed on trying to dig out the fox and um, that he ends up kind of digging underneath with all the rest of the animals and they rob basically kind of kind of like Danny Champion of the world there they kind of rob everything of the farmers they completely fleece them and they have a complete feast underground sort of thing and like that it was you know it was the idea of the farmers are the adults and they're the ones kind of who rule the world and and um, you know all the villagers are amazed by how rich these farmers are but it was the kind of the lowly forest animals who managed to do them out of house and home by, by just kind of Outwitting them, and at the end, the three farmers are still sitting there, still trying to get the fox. And um, while they're happy as Larry after kind of winning the day, really, really nice and simple. Like it's quite a quick book to read, quite a quick book to go through. But um, I'd be kind of just mirroring everything that was said about all the rest of the books. It's just that kind of there's such an intelligent way that he gets across mischief, and that you can be, you know, you can think outside the box. You don't have to just follow the rules of society. Just on that, uh, sorry. Like whenever I, this is only about yesterday, the day before, where it's like you or and I thought, geez, you know, I'd love to read even more of these books, particularly before we record this or whatever. But I just by chance on the Spotify, nearly all the books are on Spotify. Like you don't have to get them on Audible or Box or anything like that. And a lot of them are like an hour, an hour and a half. So, you know, like a walk or a run or whatever like you can get listen to a whole a whole rolled out book and get your imagination running everywhere i do i see the repulsive sight of hundreds thousands of revolting little children yeah so i picked the witches as you know is my favorite book it's really dark like franny you were saying about danny the champion the world like the witches does not have a happy ending whatsoever so well i i guess it does but it's, it's almost like a game of thrones type ending uh, so the book is about an unnamed narrator whose parents die in a car crash at the start and he goes to live with his grandmother in Norway and she tells him about witches, how there's all these witches, they could be your teachers, they could be anywhere and tells them that they're bald, they wear wigs and they've got claws for hands and they've got square feet and it's all quite scary and um, of course they get wound up, at, they go to a hotel and there's the convention for the witches who are posing as like anti-children um, cruelty prevention fee but it turns out they're actually meeting to discuss eliminating every child in Britain by opening sweet shops and using this formula, this delayed mouse formula, which is going to turn all the children into mice and then parents and people will be so disgusted with the mice and teachers that they'll kill them themselves. So of course the protagonist gets caught 
and gets turned into a mouse along with another young boy, Bruno, who's the stereotype Rodal, young, fat, greedy child who's <laughs> in most of the stories and uh, eventually teams up with his grandmother and the narrator to take down the witches by turning them all into mice as well. But unlike the movie, funny enough, he actually remains as a mouse in the book. There's no cure to turn him back. But he's happy enough with that because he says, I live for nine years and his grandmother is 86. So she's like, I'll be dead in nine years anyway. We can grow old and die together. So not the happiest of endings for kids' books. <laughs> it's pretty dark. I remember reading that. And there was one moment in it that's still, I think, one of the scariest things. It's just captured the imagination. I don't know if you remember this. It was in the older movie as well. The story of the girl, Erica, who went missing. She went, got sent out for milk and got abducted by a witch. And then one day her father came home and she was in the painting in the living room. She was like in the farmhouse in the painting. And then she used to move around and get older and older in the painting as the years went by. And then she just vanished one day. That was terrifying, I thought. I used to... <laughs> I had an irrational fear of that happening to me that it was so something about that was so scary the movie even was traumatizing the original one in the 90s yeah that was another one I actually kind of forgot about that till you, till you just said it there but that was another one that I remember reading at the time and thinking like the ending was so striking in that it was so kind of not happy like you know it wasn't the kind of stereotypical happy ending and stuff and like but it was kind of touching as well because like that little last sequence where he was talking about how himself and his grandmother would kind of grow all together and stuff and it's kind of like, it's so atypical for a children's book, but there's something really profound about it. Within, within all the silliness, like there's a lot of silliness in the witches to turn people into mice and, you know, their claws for hands and their accents where they say V's for all their W's, like they say Vich and all that stuff. But yeah, there's a lot of heavier themes, I suppose, uh, underlying all the, the fun. Marty, had you anything further to add on the twits or your usual Marty's minutes here or whatever you call it, where you dazzle us with some facts about Rhoda? <laughs> Well, I suppose the only fact I have is that I was hungover today, so my facts on Roald Dahl are a bit more limited than usual, <laughs> you know. But he was that little bit eccentric as well, you know. Like one thing I saw there was when he was when he died, and but like he was buried with HB pencil, which is fair enough. Uh, snooker cues, all right. I like snooker, but what I found oddest of all was a power drill. Like one of those like caterpillar drills. <laughs> so like, I think that maybe gives you a bit of an insight of, of his eccentricity. I suppose yeah, another thing about him that like we all loved and all knew about him was like the words he made up. But he actually has his own and you can you can look it up. Like there's a Roald Dahl dictionary and it's got like 250 words and it's like complete. And I was just looking up some of them. They're fantastic words like hoary gust and like fizz, like fizz whizzing and just from reading them, you, like, you knew what they meant. Like, and it, it kind of gives a real insight of what it's like in a child's mind. Like, you know, despite, like, your whole childhood, you're, you're learning words every day that you don't know what they mean. But when you're reading these, in the, the, like, these words in the context of Roald Dahl's books, like, they hit home straight away. You know what they mean. And I think that's a really good thing for, for kids. Like, you know, but, you know, that's, that's kind of, oh, he never learned to type either. All his, all his like, scripts were handwritten. He doesn't know how to type. Smith, you like this, though the witches were were supposedly based on Dal's ma. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> what a compliment that is there. Yeah, yeah. I think the power drill is, uh, he wrote a lot of his books in his uh, his shed in the back of his garden. So I wonder if that's yeah. connected to that. He was known, kind of, him, he was known as an inventor as well. He was like real big into like, make, make, making stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, he helped invent the Wade Dal Till Valve, prompted by the need to alleviate the head injuries endured by his son after an accident in New York. Also, I remember reading years ago as well that he had, I think it was like a, a kind of a tribute written about him by his daughter. 
she had a pair of shoes that were too small for her or something. So we had the idea of filling them with bags of water, putting them in the freezer, and then they came out expanded because the ice, the water turned to ice, obviously, in the freezer and expanded the shoes and the ice expanded. So I think he was big into that sort of stuff as well. He had a very tough time in school. That might be well known, but a lot of the evil characters are based off teachers that he had. Um, I think Boy, Tales of Childhood, quite close to home, and definitely Matilda as well. There's always seems to be one kind of redeeming adult as well in a lot of tales that kind of, I don't know, shows that not all adults are, are awful. And finally, in 2017, in a poll in the UK, he was voted the greatest storyteller of all time. So he bet Dickens and Shakespeare and that, which is incredibly impressive. He was badly injured. He crashed onto his plane during World War II. I was fairly badly injured, I believe. September 1940, he received injuries to his head, nose and back when his gladiator crashed landed in the Western Desert. I was going to say, was he in Africa? And I think he was like all along there. I think he did fairly, I'm going to say fairly well in the war. He was quite well decorated, right? Yeah, I remember I I reading about it years ago. I think he was um, a decorated war veteran and I think he was blinded or something like that for a while or maybe it was after that crash. I think he uh, sustained some fairly serious injuries, which adds an extra dimension to the books, doesn't it? That, like yeah. He wasn't just a fella who was cooped up in an office for his whole life writing random stories. There was an awful lot of lived experience as well. Great facts this week, lads. I'm very impressed. Marty, for a hungover uh, gentleman such as yourself, you did remarkably well. So usually this time in the episode we do our raid expectations, but uh, I think we'll be tens all round lads here for this trip down Nostalgia Lane if we started rating all these books. So instead this week we've got something very special. Anyone who follows us on social media knows that we've been running a competition to win this collection of Rodal books that we've been talking about. Um, so thanks a million to everyone who entered and Podge, our social media expert is here and Podge, you're going to run a virtual wheel to determine the winner. So best of luck to everyone involved. Best of luck everyone. Three. Two, one. Okay, and it's going to. Uh, it's very close. See when it stops. Okay, Lisa McDonald. Well done, Lisa. So we will send you the prize out in the post very soon. Well done. Congratulations, Lisa. So just get in touch with us on Instagram and we'll organize getting that prize to you. And thanks again to everyone who entered. Before we wrap up then lads, uh, is anyone reading anything good at the minute? Podge, you were mentioning you're reading Lord of the Rings, you're enjoying that? I've started it so many times before and I always get so far and then I'll always start reading something else and get distracted and then, no, I'm just I'm just trying to get through that. I also kind of, to motivate myself, once I, fin- like I finish the fellowship and then we watch the extended version of the movie. So I'm mad to watch the, tw- the two hours and I'm not going to watch it until I finish the book. But the book is just, ah, I'm sure you've all read it yourselves, but it's just so, so enjoyable. So yeah, I'm just going to try and get through that and then I'll I'll branch out and maybe read in cold blood. Oh yeah, maybe some library books. If only you had, if only you had some sort of book club or book podcast that could give you books. I've only, I've only <laughs> missed one book. I've only missed one book. You've read a few right, that you up, haven't finished. Up. There's a few you haven't finished though. One, one book I haven't finished. But if you skip a chapter, you haven't finished it. Fair enough. <laughs> Oren, what about you? What are you reading? I was saying to you earlier on, when I went out for a, a coffee this morning, we have a little street library beside us. One of those little, basically, just bookshelves in the wall. You can put books in, take books out. And just the week that was in it, I came across a Roald Dahl book, just saw the name and grabbed it. And it's called Switch Bitch. So I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a child book. It sounds pretty interesting. 
Um, I think one of the main characters, which seemingly is a recurring character, is Uncle Oswald. Now, Oswald Mosley was a character back at that stage, so maybe there's something to do with that. And he's described as a hedonist beyond compare. So that'll be an interesting little, I think it's four short stories, so I'll report back next time as to what happens there, but I think it'll be a little bit different to Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think so, yeah. Marty, what about you? Yeah, uh, I'm still reading Gorky Park, that kind of uh, detective thriller I was telling you about the last time. Still on it. It's fine, it's fine. It's it's tipping along. Every so often there's a, a, a bit of a, a twist or a turn to keep you engaged, but I, I'm still kind of waiting for it to kick off. Well, not kick off, but like, you know, really grab my attention. I can see how it was, like, the blueprint for other kind of detective detective thrillers, but it's been built upon massively, let me put it like that. Secondly, though, the one I'm, I'm at, on now and I kind of can't, I can't stop reading is a book that I'd say a lot of you maybe read when you were younger. I don't know how I missed it when I was younger, but His Dark Materials, Northern Lights. I've never read it before. Oh, my God. I fucking love it. It's class. I absolutely love it. Like the idea, of, like the general concept of everyone having a little little demon like or or that, you know, it's, and, but the story, I'm absolutely loving it. So. I'm um, looking forward to, to finishing that. Some of my favourite books ever, though, that his Dark Materials trilogy is unbelievable. It's like a good BBC. They've done an adaptation of it. You should watch after as well, pretty recently. The third book is amazing. Well, all three of them were away. I read them as a probably young teenager or a child. I'm reading The Murder of Roger Ackroyd at the minute, an Agatha Christie book. Uh, so it's good. People say it's her, her best ever crime novel. So um, I've read a couple of other ones. I'm enjoying that. I'm not too far into it, about 20%. So I'm reading... Dune, which is like, you know, it's out, it's a film out at the moment with Timothy Chalamet. So that's, I'm about 20% into that. That's very good. It's real sort of fantasy sort of crack. Yeah, really enjoying that. And the other thing I'm reading is uh, Mr. Nice, which is the autobiography of this Welsh lad who basically became a massive international hash smuggler. So a subject that's very dear to my own heart. But yeah, that's <laughs> that's a bit of crack as well. Uh, so yeah, that's me at the moment. Good mix there. Dune is brilliant. I read that last year. It's really, really good. I haven't seen the movie yet though. But... Franny, is that an is that an educational choice or um at a just general interest or that Mr. Nice book? Bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> Informational. <laughs> On that note, I think we'll leave it there, lads. Thanks everyone for listening as always, and for everyone who voted in our poll and entered the competition. And congratulations again to Lisa McDonald. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks with season two, episode eight, and we'll be covering Did You Hear Mammy Died by Seamus O'Reilly. And Seamus himself is actually going to join us for an interview to discuss the book. So we can't wait for that. Uh, We'll see you then. Bye.